Daniel chapter 9, and I'll just read the paragraph that begins from verse eight, um, 16 down to verse 19. From verse 16 down to verse 19, we are looking at verse 18 this afternoon. The Bible says there, O Lord, this is Daniel praying, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, that's what we're looking at this evening, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Well, I trust, brethren, that as we've been making our way through the ninth chapter of uh, the uh, prophecy of Daniel, that we have been learning how we too can improve in our prayer lives. That's why we have taken our time slowly making our way through this particular chapter. It's because more than trying to understand a prophetic book, we have a, an example, an extraordinary example of, of real heartfelt prayer. And if we do not learn from biblical examples how to pray, well then, where will we learn this holy art? And so we've, we've looked at this prayer which is really about asking God for mercy um, Daniel mentions it at the very beginning of uh, this prayer. But we noticed also that most of it is really a confession of sin. And it is because Daniel is dealing with the issue that has caused them to end up in this miserable state of uh, being desolate. It's that they sinned. They stubbornly sinned against God, and God's punishment finally fell upon them. So he's confessed, literally, from verse 4 all the way to verse uh, 15. It's all just confession, confession, confession. Then beginning with verse 15, where I have just read to you, uh, rather verse 16, he then begins to deal with the actual requests. 
And you can't miss the fact that the main request that he has is that of God have mercy. Which he already mentioned at the beginning that this is what he was asking for. Except that we had gone on verse after verse without him finally getting there. And now he is asking God for mercy. For instance, when we looked at verse 17, we couldn't miss it because he actually said it in that verse. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. So it's fairly clear that this is what he was asking for. Now, in many ways, the next verse sounds as if it is a repetition. Because as I've entitled my sermon here, it's a prayer based on God's great mercy. So he's still asking for mercy. The main difference between what we looked at last week and what we're looking at now is that previously, mercy was a request. He was saying, God, have mercy. Act in mercy. Now, in this verse, he's not asking for mercy as such. What he's doing is saying that the mercy I am asking for is based on your attribute of mercy. Your character of mercy. In fact, your character of great mercy. And that's really the way in which we are differentiating between the two. I remember many years ago when I began international travel, it used to be quite tricky to enter a number of, of countries. And I, I remember at one time attempting to, uh, to go into the UK without a visa. Now, they used to allow it if it's just sort of going in in the morning and coming out to catch your flight in the evening, sometimes. And I've never forgotten how you, you are in the queue and there are about a number of boxes there of different individuals, uh, immigration officers, and they are processing people. And as your queue is sort of getting smaller and smaller and smaller, you are doing your mathematics. You are saying to yourself, okay, who among those individuals seems merciful? <laughs> So when you notice someone who is constantly sort of saying, no, you go, you go back, you go back, you know that even if, as you're getting there, that place is empty, you're not going to go there. You're not going to go there. But where you notice that somebody, almost everyone is, okay? Next, okay? Go ahead. Next, okay? Is, aha. That one is merciful. That's the one that I will go to. So it's not just that you are asking for entrance, but you are also aware that individuals are different, and therefore you want to go to them. Uh, a few years earlier when I was working in the mines, it was basically the same thing again. The doctors in a major mine hospital had a reputation among the miners. And so... When you were unwell, you wanted to know. In Mufrila, there were two uh, hospitals, Malcolm Watson and Ronald Rawls. You'd want to know where this good doctor is operating from today. Is he Malcolm Watson or is he Ronald Rawls? And once you know that he's at this hospital, that's where the masses actually go because of the character of that doctor. 
Well, that's what Daniel is doing here. He's not just asking for mercy, but he's processing the question of the character of God. What is it that should cause me to get there? And it is this fact that this God is one of great mercy. Let's quickly look at how he opens this particular text up. First of all, he is um, asking the Lord that um, God might hear, that God might listen. Now, uh, let me read it, but it sounds as if it's the same as verse 17, but I hope to show you in a moment that it is not. So in verse 18, he says, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Now when we go to verse 17, he says, Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. Sounds as if he's simply repeating himself. And under normal circumstances, the phrase incline your ear and hear is used to refer to asking God to actually listen to your prayer. Let me quickly show you from the book of Psalms and uh, then we'll move on. Psalm 86 and then Psalm 88, Psalm 102 and Psalm 116. So at least four texts in which this phrase is used. We begin with Psalm 86 and verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Chapter 88, chapter 88. This time, verse 3. I was sure it was verse 3. Oh, yes, verse 2. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night. Notice there, I cry out. Verse 2, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. All right, so there we are. Uh, very clearly, it's used in answer to prayer. 102, very quickly. 102. And uh, this time, it is verse 3. 102 and verse 3. I'm a little disappointed with myself there. Again, it's verse 2. No, it's not even there. I messed up. 116. 116 and verse 2. I'm glad at least the point is still being made. 116 and verse 2. I want to show how the threes leapt into this. I begin with verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. And here it is. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. So, the normal way in which the inclining of the ear is spoken of is in answer to prayer. However, in our text, it is not so much the prayer of Daniel as the cries 
of the people of Jerusalem themselves. How do you see that? It is literally the next verse, rather the next statement. Back to our text. Daniel chapter 9 and uh, verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. And then he says this. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. And basically the point is this, that when human beings are in a state of suffering, they cry, they weep, they mourn, they lament, and so on. And as they are doing this, what we are really learning is that God hears. God hears. And in this particular case, he is actually saying, well, at least Daniel is saying, God, please listen to what is being uh, poured out by those who are suffering. Now, two quick points, and I'm sure we will appreciate what is being said here. First of all, the issue about inclining your ear is, is something that we all do when we, we really want to listen. We, we, we tend to, as it were, put our hand behind our earlobe and then bend towards that specific voice. And so, especially when you are in the midst of so many other sounds, so many other noises, perhaps even music blaring around in the background, and then somebody you are with speaks or is speaking. You tend to go like this so that you are particularly inclining your ear towards that one voice that you want to listen to. Oh, friends, that's exactly what Daniel was saying here. That yes, there is a lot that gets your attention, oh God, but incline your ear towards Jerusalem. Incline your ear towards your people. In other words, concentrate that you may hear what is taking place there. And because, as we shall be noticing, God is a merciful God, that's what causes the, the sympathy. It's the, the cries, the groans, the weeping, the mourning, the lament of uh, the person or the people that are suffering. I think there's just something about the, the image of God in us that causes us to be sympathetic in that way. Because us to be sympathetic. Because you are touched. Even if you are, were not crying. But the moment you arrive at a place where people are genuinely mourning, they've lost a loved one, you find your heart melts. Your heart melts. Not because you've seen the dead person, but because you have heard the weeping, the mourning from the depth 
of the heart of individuals, especially individuals whom you know. And really, that's what Daniel is saying here. God, incline your ear so that you may hear. And obviously, in hearing, your sympathy will be um, caused to come alive. But it's not just the sense of hearing that um, Daniel is appealing for. He's also appealing to the sense of sight the sense of sight. And that's what we see in this second part of the verse, the sense of sight. Open your eyes and see our desolations. Open your eyes and see our desolations. Again, exactly the same thing. Uh, we, as human beings, when we really want to hear we, we, as it were, incline our ear in order to listen. And when we want to see, we do exactly the same thing. And it's not that we closed our eyes before. No. There's just something about our focal lenses that enables us, when we now engage, to actually see the detail. And the one example I can think about is... Um, when we come to members' meetings, for instance, and uh, we, 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 we come to accounts, that when the church treasurer is, is providing his accounts, for me, I always admit, my, my eyes become rather glazed. I sort of just go over everything. I'm seeing numbers, but the numbers don't mean anything. But the accountants, guess what happens? They open their eyes. <laughs> okay, the, the, their eyes were open all along, but now they open their eyes. They, they are seeing the details, and the hands begin to shoot up. Um, now, this figure here, and so on, and we were all seeing the figure, but to the rest of us, our eyes were just rumbling along. But to them, they've opened their eyes. They're now seeing the details that are there. And that's really the appeal that uh, uh, Daniel is making to God here when he's saying, open your eyes. Whereas previously, uh, he had spoken uh, about the, the ears, now he is speaking about the sense of sight. Again, it's the same thing the same thing. When you see the kind of pictures, for instance, that are used for, for fundraising by non-government organizations, the, the picture of uh, a child where, you know, the nose has got uh, mucus running, you can literally count all the, the ribs of this little baby and the, the tummy is bloated and so on. Even you in your poverty begin to think, yeah, you know, is there something we can do uh, for, for children like this? It, it moves you. Just the sight that you are seeing there. It causes sympathy to come alive. Now, for, for Daniel, 
He's not simply saying, see the desolation. He is saying, of the city that has your name stamped on it. Look at our text again. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation. And then he says, oh, desolations, and the city that is called by your name. We've already seen this from the beginning of this section. This constant aspect of your, your, your. In other words, it's, it's, it's something that you have a connection with. Surely it ought to move you. It ought to move you. Um, it's like, you know, maybe you've got a, a women's breakfast, and so the women have come with their little babies and toddlers and so on, and the toddlers are sort of playing in another room, and then the women are having uh, tea or coffee with biscuits and so on, all those niceties that ladies have when they have their, their own meetings. And then a baby cries. And you can tell from the cry that this is not sort of wanting a toy, but this is a cry of pain. Women have a way to tell which baby is crying, whether it's mine or not. They're, I don't know how they do it. For us men, they all sound the same. But you notice that the one woman whose baby or toddler it is quickly sets aside her Bible or plate full of goodies and zooms out of that room. Why? It's my baby. It's my toddler. It's, there's an immediate connection with that mother that makes sympathy become like switching on a light bulb. It's automatic. And bang! Off she goes to go and attend to the child. Well, that's what Daniel has been doing here right through this passage. Oh Lord, verse 16, according to all your righteousness, righteous acts rather, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Therefore, now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. And then we see it in our text as well. Let's go to verse 19, which we'll be looking at next week. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. There's a connection that is there with you that makes you get up into action. You sympathize because of that connection. 
And let's face it, we've just experienced something like that, isn't it, in the last one and a half years. When COVID first hit our part of the world uh, last year, uh, almost everybody was dying with just statistics to us. You know, sort of hearing, okay, four people have died, another 10 people have died, another 15 have died, and sort of just, oh, okay, you know, there's COVID happening. But we, we just somehow continued on pretty well. Well, the second wave came at the beginning of this year, and we began to lose relatives and friends, and COVID became more and more real to us. Well, the third wave came. And now, it's not just my cousin and my uncle and my auntie who've been taken away, but individuals who were sitting with in these pews. Death is the same. It's the same death. But it's sticking on a rather different texture now because it's so close. We have now ourselves really wept. We have now ourselves really been shaken because of that nearness through those who we know who belong to us, whom we've had fellowship with the sense of sympathy, it has now touched us very, very closely. Well, that's what's happening here. Daniel is praying to God so that the aspect of sympathy might be very real. Very, very real. Here, incline your ear. Hear the cry. See the misery that is there, surely it ought to pull at your heartstrings, especially because this is the city on which your name is attached. And thus, he's now prepared to put forward the basis of his request, the basis of his request. And I hope one answer surely is based not on who we are, but on the fact that this God to whom we pray is a God who can be touched by our infirmities. A sympathetic God. He is a God whose goodness includes not just grace, not just love, but mercy as well. Great mercy. Back to our text. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. Then he says, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. Now that's obvious. He just spent the first 14 or so verses of this prayer saying we have no righteousness of our own. If you look into our account, you see that we deserve your punishment. So that's definitely not where I am looking. Rather, he says, but because of your great mercy, because of your great mercy, 
In other words, it's because you yourself, O oh Lord, are a sympathetic God. A sympathetic God. Let's go back to the earlier illustration. You're on this queue, and you've noticed that, you know, there is an immigration officer where when you whip buckets, the person gets touched, and they, they allow you through. You say, that's the one I've got. That's the one I've got. Because I, I really need to get passed into this country. I really need to. And so on that basis, you go there. You arrive, and the person looks at your papers, and they say, sorry, sir, you, know, you, you go away. You don't start saying, look, I'm, 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 I'm Dr. So-and-so, you know, uh, the, the nation that I come from really respects me. You need to respect me too. Uh, do you think I, I would enter your country and not come out? Eh? What do you think? Of? No, you don't do things like that. You shed tears. <laughs> okay. you, you, you pull the right strings. You shed tears. Because of the person's great mercy. It's already been displayed. You've seen it with your own eyes. And now that's all you are doing is saying, have mercy on me as well. You are merciful. I've seen it. You are merciful. Be merciful too. Brethren, that's really what the chief lesson here is. That we need to learn to study God's attributes. To recognize that, yes, our God is a God of justice. And in that sense, he must punish sin. It is true of him. But that's only half the truth. Our God is also a good God, a God of love, a God of grace, and a God of mercy, who is touched by our cries, our weeping, our mourning, our laments, when our back is against the wall and we, we, we are despairing of life itself, the God who is there is a God of not just sympathy, but great sympathy as well. And it is in times such as the days when we are really suffering that our times of prayer should be filled with saints and should be filled with crying to God, saying, God, can't you see? Can you not hear the cries of orphans? Hear the cries of widows? Can't you hear, O oh Lord? Incline your ear, your ear. Open your eyes. We need you. We need you. We need you. I wonder whether that's the way in which we pray. Whether we recognize that, 
Or do we take, for instance, praying in the name of Jesus as a very mechanical thing, something that we, we simply want to, as it were, append at the end of a, a very eloquent prayer, just pieced, pieced together nicely? Or do we go into the prayer time saying, okay, what kind of God am I coming to? And recognizing that he is a God of great mercy, beginning to pray to him based on that, based on the fact that his mercy is great. May this educate our prayer lives. May it enrich our prayer lives. May we be a people who truly pray. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the example of Daniel. Thank you for the way in which he prays. And in this particular case, prays bearing in mind a sympathetic God. And thank you that at your right hand is a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been here on earth, who has suffered as we suffer, and therefore he is a sympathetic high priest. Thank you, Lord, that you've provided for us. May these facts enrich our prayer lives. May they cause us to be individuals who not take advantage of you, but who are real with you. And in our suffering, we'll be encouraged to come to you knowing that you are a God of great mercy. We plead for this in Jesus' name. Amen.